0: Hey, it's Scott Petrick with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. A lot has happened since we last did this or has it? The draft doesn't start until tomorrow. Deshaun Watson's legal situation isn't resolved, and Baker Mayfield is still on the Browns as of today and on the trading block. Here to discuss all of this and more on the eve of the draft is Dave Chadowski of Go to WKYC Morning News. What's up, Chud? Scott, how are you?
1: I apologize. It has been a while. I, I went on a little vacation last week and uh, I've kind of just been hiding out. So my apologies, but I am <laughs> back and ready to go. Uh, but you know what though? It, 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 is it me or is the, I know it's not me. Cause it, it's obvious. I mean, the draft's not in Cleveland. They don't have a first round pick. I mean, much different scenario than last year. And that's the story I'm uh, actually working on. I put a piece together for tomorrow morning on go. On uh, channel three, just talking about how you know it's you know it's not the same. I mean the the Browns Super Bowl is gone. This is the Super Bowl right. tomorrow, but it, it, it's not.
0: <laughs> I know, no, you're exactly right. And you know, I've still done some of the pre-draft features that I normally do, talking to coaches from guys that I think the Browns have a chance to draft, maybe at forty-four or seventy-eight, um, but. Right. The, the buzz isn't the same. The conversation, you know, I'm on, I've said it before. I'm on this text chain with a bunch of knuckleheads and there's been like hardly any draft conversation. Uh, you know, there's still some diehards out there. I ran in my cousin and he was breaking it down for me at names for, you know, the second and third round. So some people are still all in. But overall, how could you be? There's no pick on Thursday. There's it, Andrew Barry. It said it's highly or it's unlikely that they'll move back in the first round. And I don't really see any why or any reason they would do that. So you're gonna have a Thursday night where they're not gonna draft a guy. You know, I think the sports bars are gonna be slow. I think Andrew Barry's gonna be not busy either. Um, really, to me, the biggest question is if Baker Mayfield's gonna be traded during the draft, right? Which is a whole nother scenario than the usual oh my gosh the bronzer drafted a guy in the top 10
1: yeah uh, a producer just came up to me literally 10 minutes ago at work and asked me hey do you think baker's gonna get traded thursday on saturday like when's he gonna get traded and i my answer and i'll ask you because you know more than i do i just said listen i i have no clue it could happen at any point and really it's just you know these teams are you know playing you know, throwing bait out there and playing with each other, trying to feel each other out. And I I don't think there's – is there any way to really answer it based on, you know, you don't know what teams are going to do? Maybe it happens after the first round after you see what happens or, you know, no one wants to tip their hand,
0: right? Right. I think think it's going to come down to um, what happens with the quarterback needy teams in the first round or two. And for me, the first flashpoint is Carolina at number six. If Carolina does not take a quarterback, right, and we're assuming it's Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett, if Carolina doesn't take a quarterback, then I think a Baker trade could happen at any point after that. And Okay. Because I, because I don't think Carolina has their starting quarterback, right? It's Sam Darnold. And to me, Baker's better than Sam Darnold, and he's shown that through their first four years in the league. Um, And Carolina doesn't draft again until like the fourth or fifth round. So they're not going to get a starting quarterback through the draft if they don't take one at number six. And then I think it opens the door. Now I don't think Carolina wants to announce that. I think they want other teams to think they might take a quarterback and maybe they do take a quarterback at six, but if they don't and they keep that pick and they take an offensive lineman or whoever, whomever they would take, then I think the door is open for a trade with Carolina. Now, could it happen Thursday night, sure. Could it happen Friday morning before the second round? Yes. I mean, that seems like a possible sweet spot. You know, assuming Carolina does want Baker Mayfield. Um, and you could say the same thing for other teams, right? Does Atlanta, um, if they don't take a quarterback at eight, uh, do they want someone to pair with Marcus Mariota? Um, Seattle, I think they're drafted number nine. Do they not take one and then say, okay, let's get Baker in here. We like him better than Drew Locke. Like, I mean, it's the same teams we've been hearing. It's just one less option for them to fill their quarterback spot would disappear in the first round or two, you know? And then just real quick, some other, te- you know, then you get to second level teams that have started quarterbacks or possibilities of starting quarterbacks, but, you know, could Tampa Bay, say, get done with the draft and say, you know what, let's say Baker, maybe he can sit behind Brady for a year. And we like the idea of Baker down the road. You know, I'm just throwing out possibilities. San Francisco, if they trade Jimmy G, you know, Nate Sudfeld is their backup to Trey Lance. Trey Lance is unproven. Would they like Baker to be that guy in case Trey Lance fails? You know, and then you always think about Detroit just because of the John Dorsey connection. Uh, So, you know, those are the teams that kind of jump to mind as far as, okay, maybe when the dust settles on the draft or even during the draft that you could have Baker movement, but, I know that Baker wants to be traded this weekend, and I think the Browns want to trade him too. I, I just don't think this is a comfortable situation for anyone. I think Andrew Barry has come to grips with – I think he should. I don't know if he has. I think he should come to grips with the fact that he's going to have to pay a chunk of Baker's salary, right? It's almost $19 million guaranteed. I don't know what that chunk number is. Is it half? Is it $13 million? so the next, the new team only has to pay $6 million? I don't know what that number is, but I would assume that the bigger the number gets, the better the draft pick the Browns get in return is. So, you know, do they say, OK, we'll give you the team 12 million and you give us a third round draft pick. Like, it, it, like is that the spot? Right. Is that the negotiations? And I, I think it goes something like that. And then it's just finding a team that wants Baker enough to pull that trigger.
1: Now, Scott, you heard what Baker said last weekend when he was at Oklahoma. I mean, he, he basically implied that it's going to happen this weekend.
0: I mean, it, could there be any chance, though, that it wouldn't? Yeah, yeah, I did hear that, which just reaffirmed how anxious or eager Baker is to get out of here, and I understand it, right? He wants to know his next team, right? He wants to get started there. Um, but, yeah, I think there's a chance it doesn't get done during the draft, during the immediate aftermath of the draft. But if if it doesn't, then, then the situation gets cloudier. Um, you know, if no team really wants him coming out of the draft, or not enough for Andrew bear to say yes, then you start talking about, okay, well, does Baker show up for mandatory minicamp in June? Like, like what's gonna cause a trade? Like the draft is a like a tipping point, right? You set your roster, you know if you drafted a guy or signed a guy, like you know what your quarterback room's gonna look like. That doesn't change in May. It doesn't change in June, it's unless somebody gets hurt. So then, if you're the Browns, you're kind of waiting for or I don't know, hoping for a quarterback to get hurt across the league, where a team says, "Yes, now we have to go get Baker Mayfield." And I don't know if that's realistic. I don't know if Baker would be the first option for one of those teams. And then the idea with do we make him come to mandatory minicamp? Does he come because he wants to, you know, to make wants to make sure he gets paid the guaranteed money? Does he show up for training camp? Like this is just an awkward situation that a team with an awkward situation, to say the least, with Deshaun Watson probably doesn't want another one. You know, it's if he's around the building, it's you know, I don't think that's a great, a great situation. You know, like there's just it's just uncomfortable, and I don't think it's necessary. And then you have to think, okay, do the Browns cut him at some point? And to me, trading him is way better than cutting him because. You're going to have to pay pretty much all of his salary if you cut him. And he could wind up with a team like Pittsburgh. Not that that would be the end of the world, but I'm sure that's not something the Browns would embrace. So I really feel like this is the opportunity. These next, you know, starting Thursday night through maybe Sunday is the best opportunity for the Browns to trade Baker Mayfield. And if it doesn't happen, um, then I don't know how it's going to play out. Yeah, it would be the end of the world if he went to Pittsburgh and uh
1: flourished and beat us. <laughs> that would not be good. Right. So yeah. Um I just, you know, let's last thing on this and then we'll move on. But you know, I've heard different national reporters and people speculate that he could still be on the team, come training camp and and the and the year next year. And if Watson's out then he could be the guy. Still, I just don't buy that. And I go back to I said last time we had the podcast. Stefanski already mentioned Brissett, and I just can't imagine any way he is starting again for the Cleveland Browns. I just can't. I can't
0: buy it. I'm with you. I mean, I, I don't like to say never, right? Because true, then, true. You know, you can, I could look silly, um, right? But I don't know how they mend these fences. Um, Baker's. Got a strong personality. He's stubborn. Um, now you know if they if they said, "Hey, we're not going to trade you," period. Then I don't know if he has better options. But the Bronx don't want him. I, I mean, they've made that clear, right? They would be holding on to him almost out of spite, like, "Hey, we need some. We need to trade for something." And yeah, you know, I, I get that from a business standpoint, but I, I just don't think it works from a personal standpoint, and. and Yeah, that's why I think it's really important that they make this happen. But I'm with you, Judd. Like, yeah, I I just can't envision that. I mean, the Browns have three quarterbacks right now, right? Not that they couldn't finagle that or get rid of Josh Dobbs or something, and maybe they draft a quarterback anyway and put him on the practice squad. But my point is he just doesn't fit, and he doesn't want to be here, and they don't want him here. And that's why they don't have any leverage, but they knew that. Once they went after Deshaun Watson and once they completed that deal – They knew that they would have little leverage in trying to trade Baker Mayfield. Now, the fact that the market's not big, it's not the Browns fault, right? That's a Baker issue. There's not a lot of teams that say, Hey, Baker's worth trading a bunch for because we don't think he's that good, but the Browns Mm -hmm. removed removed their leverage. So now I think they have to suck it up and take whatever they can in a trade.
1: Sure. Sure. So in closing, never say never, but we doubt it anyway. All right, let's get to the draft. So, to tomorrow night that we're taping this on Wednesday Thursday night first round Browns don't have a pick second and third rounds on Friday night so second round pick 44 third round 78 99 right yep then round four and on would be Saturday mm-hmm. and they have a fourth round pick at 118 then they have a sixth and two seventh, right correct seven picks in all three in the top 100 yep so Andrew Barry spoke last week. Uh, I wish we could have recapped that last week, but let's just touch on it real quick. Uh, besides him basically implying or saying it would be difficult or he doesn't. Well, I forget his exact quote. I just watched it this morning, but he's basically saying it's unlikely that they would trade to get back in the first round, never rule anything out. Uh, do you agree with that? You agree that it's doubtful they get back in the first round and also did anything else come out of his news conference? Cause I, I, I read it and listened to a lot of it and I didn't feel like much came out of it other than that.
0: No, there was nothing there. You hit on the one newsworthy, if you want to call it that statement, you know, he talked in generalities, he talked philosophy and I believe like, I, I believe that he's being honest when he talks philosophy, right. And that they don't like to make absolutes and, you know, they want to think long-term and they want to be in a position where they can draft the best player. Like, I believe him when he says all those things. Um, but it makes for a bad news conference when you ask him specific questions and all the answers are generalities, right? And he didn't go, he didn't give any information up on Baker. Um, but, yeah, the, the key spot was unlikely to trade back in the first round. And I don't think he would say that if he thought there was a decent chance, right? I think he knows the reality. And the reality is the Browns don't have a lot of draft picks. I mean, they have seven this year, which, you know, is about the minimum, right? You start with seven and three of them are real late. And then they've traded away two more picks in each of the next two years, including first rounders for Deshaun Watson, right? So they don't have the draft stockpiles that they like to have and that they normally have. And with that as a backdrop, that makes trading into the first round, back into the first round, really difficult. And I just don't think this is an organization that is going to mortgage the future to move up to draft a player at 28. Now, you know, if the perfect player were there, maybe. But I also think the Browns don't believe in the idea of a perfect player, right? At the core, it's the more chances you have in the draft, the better off you are because it's a crapshoot, right? So if you focus in on one or two or three players, that's the wrong philosophy, You know what I mean? And I'm not saying there aren't exceptions. They traded up for JOK last year, but generally speaking, you're better off with quantity than falling in love with the player too. And I I think that's one of the reasons they don't try to move back in the first round. The fact that I I think they'd rather take some of this year's picks and replenish 2023 and 2024 draft picks. I, I think that they want to do that. So I would, not be surprised at all if they traded 99 or the fourth round pick for a third or a fourth round pick next year. So they can kind of recoup what they gave away in the Deshaun Watson deal. So for all those reasons and the fact that they have a strong roster right now, um, I don't think they're going to move back in the first round. And I think by very even saying it's unlikely means that there's an almost infinitesimal, Infinitesimum. I can't even say the word. A really small chance that they're going to trade back up in the first round. But
1: you know what if you know what if they look at our quarterback, our running back, we we have this, we have that. We need one. We got a Cooper. We need one more stud receiver, and we think we can be unstoppable. I know you called it crapshoot, but if if they're that confident, a guy and and listen, we've seen receivers where. You know, they come in and make a huge
0: impact. We just saw it in Cincinnati last year. Why not take that chance? Well, I mean, I get what you're saying. And there's a lot of people that think that way, right? Like this, that I would say is the most popular question I get asked is, well, can they move back in the first round? Um, Because I think people like the action. I think they like being part of the first round. But I guess my question would be, would you move into, would you give up both third round picks? to go from 44 to 28, right? So now you drafted 28 and then you don't draft again into the hundreds. Like, is that receiver that you trade up to get, is he going to be worth the defensive tackle you don't take and the defensive end you don't take, right? Like, I think that's how you have to weigh it. And you have to weigh it. Okay, let's just, for example, say George Pickens out of Georgia is that guy that you would go up to trade for. Is he better necessarily than Watson out of North Dakota State or sky Moore out of Western Michigan or John Metchie the Third out of Alabama? And if even if you think he's better, is he better plus the two other players you don't get? You know, like that's how you have to weigh it, and, and that's why I feel like it's a really long shot for the bronze for the bronze to be in a position to do that. Now, could they trade up from forty-four to thirty-eight because? there's a guy that they like and they're afraid he won't fall the last five spots. Yeah. You could do that. And maybe you trade a fourth round pick, right? Whatever that, whatever that, however that math works out. Um, But to make what seems like a significant jump from 44 to 28, Um I, I just don't see it happening. And one of the big reasons is because they just don't have the future draft pack draft picks in tow, right? They just don't have that stockpile that they usually mm-hmm. do. Now,
1: one other thing Barry said, and I wouldn't say this was newsworthy, but it just stuck out to me, and I'm not saying it's anything new necessarily, and, and you may have mentioned it, but just the fact that he said they're picking for the long term.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's he's always said that, and it's, it's interesting because it's a balance, right? They feel like they're a Super Bowl contender right now. So, and I think that's how fans view it. It's like, hey, the window's open. We got to jump through the window. But you also, if you're the GM, you want that window to be open for five, seven, 10 years, right? So you have to draft well, and you have to think about two, three, four, five years down the road. And, and I think a good example of that would be, let's say they they signed Jadaven Clowney, right? And that's one of the big things, the big unknowns kind of hanging over this team in this draft. If you had Jadaven Clowney, you would say, Hey, Defensive end is far less of priority. We don't need to take one at 44. We can focus on receiver or defensive tackle. I think Andrew Barry would look at it as, okay, we have Ja'Daven Clowney, but he's a one-year, maybe a two-year, depending on his contract, solution. What's our long-term plan at defensive end? We have Miles Garrett. What's a, what's a long-term plan at the other spot? And you could address that at number 44, right? So I think that's a way of long-term thinking. And you could do the same thing at receiver if you had Jarvis Landry. You know, you could talk about cornerback. Like, I don't think they're going to take a cornerback because they just re-signed Denzel Ward to, the you know, the record contract. Greg Newsom's in his second year. They have Troy Hill. They have Grady Williams. They have A.J. Green. Like, they have a lot of guys at corner. But you can also say, well, we have two that we like, but Troy Hill, you know, could be in the last year of his contract. Grady Williams is in the last year of his contract. So if we love a cornerback wherever, whatever – Pick in the draft. Yeah, he might not play this year, or he won't play a lot, but he could be our number three a year from now, right? Like I I think that's what when Andrew Barry talks about thinking long term, that's the kind of stuff he talks about. And you can't be so focused on what's my depth chart look like week one of two thousand twenty two. You have to have a much bigger focus, wider focus.
1: So you've touched on in a little bit. What are the needs in this draft is it wide receiver defensive end and defensive tackle i and the reason i know that is because i watched you at nick camino on sports tonight
0: (laughs) yeah i mean (laughs) i I haven't been able to get off those three positions since the end of the season really and then as as the offseason played out right um i think it's those three spots i think you can make an argument for all three the question I have at defensive tackle is, do the Browns value that position enough to spend the number 44 pick on it? And I'm not convinced they do. You know, if just you look at Andrew Berry's couple of years in charge, don't re-sign Larry Ogunjobi. Right, they signed Malik Jackson to a one-year deal that's not a huge deal. You know, Malik, they took a flyer on Malik McDowell. They drafted Jordan Elliott in the third round and Tavi Togiai in the fourth round. So the, the most resources they've poured into that position, they let, they cut Sean Richardson, instead of paying him a big salary, you know, what he was owed heading into 2021. So the biggest investment they've made at that position is drafting Jordan Elliott in the third round. So I'm not convinced that they would spend number 44 in a D tackle. I think they would have to think the player was special. Um, And maybe Travis Jones from Connecticut is that guy. And I wrote about him and, He's intriguing to me, so. but I have that question in my mind. At receiver, you know, yeah, I think that's an important spot, obviously. I think the Browns recognize the importance of receiver. So I'm kind of going receiver, defensive end, receiver, defensive end. I like going defensive end at 44 and receiver at 78. And the reason for that is I think receiver is deeper. Like, I don't know who you get. It's 78 as far as the defensive end, but I know there's some names of receivers that I think, okay, that guy can come and contribute. Now, of course, there's a drop off and maybe he doesn't step into the starting role um, week one, like if you drafted a guy at 44 might. Um, But if you're talking combinations and that's what a lot of the draft is right now, and depending on how the board falls, right? If If all the top defensive ends go off the board, then you have to adjust and be flexible. But right now, I like the idea of defensive end at forty-four because I think it's such a premium position. And right now, they don't have someone to start opposite Miles Garrett. And then you come back, it's seventy-eight, and take a receiver there, and you hope Alabama's John Metchie the third falls there because he's coming off an injury. But Nick Saban loves him, and I think he fits in well with what the Browns are trying to do.
1: Okay, so I'm I'm putting the pressure on you right now. I hope that uh, you are ready for this, Scott, but I, and this is almost impossible because of, I mean, you you just have no idea how the whole, let me ask you this real quick. Is the, even the top 10, is it, and, and I'm going to be as transparent as possible. This is probably in my life, the least amount of top 10 research I've done. So I'm just going to, I'm going to come clean on that. So but I think what the research I have done, it seems like
0: more wide open than it usually is. Is that right? Oh, it is. It is, Chud. And I was starting my mock draft last night. And, you know, it's and it, it, this happens every year. But if you get one guy out of place, it feels like, man, I don't know where anybody's going. Like, it just feels like anybody in the top 10 could take just about anybody in the top 10. And, yeah. and I think when there's not any quarterback certainty, and I feel like there's no quarterback certainly heading into this draft. That makes it difficult too, right? Like I don't think I don't have a quarterback going in the top 10. I'm not sure. I think I might have my first quarterback right now, and I haven't mm-hmm. sent it in yet is Kenny Pickett at number 20. Or I think I want to pick at 20. So my point is it's like you used to be able to pencil in, okay, this quarterback's going to one or this quarterback's going to four, or we know we're going to have three quarterbacks in the top 10. When you don't have that, I think it becomes yeah even more wide open. And
1: and you said penciled in. You could never pen it in. It's penciled. Cause even when you think, you know, I mean the mock draft, the mock drafts are hard enough when you think, you know, Exactly. and, and now we don't know. Sorry. Right, so let's get back to the question I was going to ask you before that, because I, I really like your insight and I think people respect and like the fact that you analyzed how you feel it's going to go defensive end at 44 receiver than at uh, 78. So Give me the guy. Who is it going to be at yeah. pick forty-four? You, you, you
0: are on the clock. Yeah, that's it's it's hard. I mean, I'm looking <laughs> at it right now. In last night, I was, I was doing it, and I have two guys right now. right? I'm going to do, my Browns at the bottom of my first round mock draft. Then I have okay, who's get who the Browns going to pick throughout the draft? Right now, I have it as David Ojabo from Michigan, the pass rusher that's coming off the Achilles that tore during his pro day. Um, if he were there, I think the Browns might be willing to take him despite the injury and despite the fact that he could miss a big chunk of his rookie year. And that goes back to thinking long-term because this is a guy that could have been drafted in the top 10. Um, if he were healthy, he's got an interesting story. Like he's, he grew up overseas, took up football late. Didn't even know like some of the rules. like a a year or two ago, Um, but is such a good athlete that you you dream about him coming off the other edge from Miles Garrett. So if he's there, and he might not be. Like, he might go earlier, um, despite the Achilles. But if he's there, I think the Browns give him a lot of consideration. And then Oye Mafe from Minnesota, he's another edge rusher that he could go in the first round, but if he's at 44, I think the Browns might have a hard time passing him up.
1: All right. Anything else on the draft before we move on? I got some uh, questions. I, I We have some catching up to do on some other things, yeah. but uh,
0: no, let I me mean, know. I think they're going to, I think they'll probably take a kicker. Um, oh, okay. In, yeah, that's draft. right. I, yeah. Yeah. I talked to yesterday and I wrote a story that showed up on um, brownzone.com this morning about Gabe Berkich, um from Notre Dame Cathedral, Cathedral Latin. He went to Oklahoma and um, super strong leg like he's 10 of 14 from kicks over 50 yards in college um he's a tall kid so he's got a lot of leg action um I don't know if he'll be there when the Browns pick in the sixth round he could go earlier than that but if he is um I wouldn't be stunned if the Browns took him he had season tickets his family had season tickets for like 17 years sat behind the uprights so it'd be a great story and he said that he wants to come to the Browns um and then there, then you think about other positions, like. Do they draft an offensive tackle? And that would be a little long-range thinking. Plus, you don't know if Jack Conkins could be ready to go week one. Tight end. I, I think that's a fascinating position because we know that they franchise tag David Njoku, and they cut Austin Hooper. Well, if they let this draft go without drafting a tight end, then I think you're going to see a shift in what they do offensively, right? There's not going to be nearly as many three tight end sets and they led the league in that in 2021. But if they take a receiver, in the, or I'm sorry, a tight end in the second round, or in, it probably won't be the second round, but in the second, third, or fourth round, then I think it probably won't be big biggest shift in philosophy um, because they will add a tight end at a relatively high draft spot, team him with Njoku and Harrison Bryant, and it might look at least close to what it did last year. But I think if they don't draft a tight end, it signifies a significant change in how the personnel packages could look when we get to games.
1: Any big surprises do you think will will come out of the draft? Anything that, you know, people are like, wow, I did not see that coming.
0: No, no. I mean, I I don't think so. I I think I mentioned it earlier. I I think they're going to try to trade at least one pick for future draft picks. Um, and I, I think 78 or 99 feels like the sweet spot there that they could trade one of those spots and get a third rounder or maybe a third and a fifth next year. That that really feels like something that they would try to do just because they're down picks after the Sean Washington.
1: All right. I mean, I feel like I'm ready for the draft now uh, after <laughs> listening to you, but is there anything more, anything I missed? I'm glad you brought the kicker up. I, I did forget about that.
0: No, I don't. I think, I think that's it, Chad. I mean, this roster is in good shape. You know, I I think it really is. And, you know, obviously they'll they'll sign undrafted free agents and there's still other guys out there, right? If they don't draft a defensive tackle, that doesn't mean they can't go sign one and there's still quality ones out there. You know, um, Larry Ogunjobi is still on the free agent market after he failed the physical, uh, I think it was with the bears. He signed a big contract and they, they, uh, rescinded it because he didn't pass their physical. Um, so there's other options after the draft. Um, obviously, if they don't get a defense, or even if they do get a defensive end early, we'll still talk about Jaden Clowney until he signs someone. The same thing's true for Jarvis Landry. Um, but it feels like defensive end, defensive tackle receiver, I'd be stunned if they don't come out of this draft with at least one of those guys, um, without, without at least one guy in each spot.
1: All right. Can we move on from the draft?
0: Yeah. All right.
1: Last week back on the field. Uh, but can you just explain to, you know, everyone, you know, how that really went? You know, the coaches uh, can't be with the players, right? H-
0: how does that all work? Yeah. They're, yeah. It's probably not even accurate to say back on the field, back in the building. Yeah. Okay. Um, for phase one, phase one goes, I want to say two weeks. It's meetings. So coaches meet with the players and then it's strength and conditioning. So the guys are in the you know, in the weight room. I'm sure they can run in the indoor facility. Um, but we won't have practice. Um, OTAs, I want to say, begin late May. Um, I think before then they can get on the field for some individual work, but not any teamwork. Um, once you get to phase two, but you know, the the coaches love it. The organization loves it. You get guys back in the building, you know, it's the Deshaun Watson's really like his first day at work. Um, uh, the Browns did not make him available to the media. We taught, we asked a lot of questions about him because we're always going to ask a lot of questions about him. It's just not only is a starting quarterback, we all know everything else that comes with the Deshaun Watson trade. Um, Amari Cooper was here. Talked to him for the first time. Talked to Jacoby Brissett, backup quarterback for the first time. So, you know, guys will be in and out throughout the offseason program. It's voluntary. They don't have to be here every day. Um, but, it felt more normal because the last couple of years, obviously 2020, there was no in-person off season program last year. It was kind of delayed because COVID was still, you know, COVID was still an issue that the NFL acknowledged and the union was telling players not to show up. And that's right. See, remember JC Treader president of the union was a Brown center at the time. And even through um, OTAs, there were a bunch of Browns players, not, in Berea, um, whether or not that was choice, there's a show of support for J.C., whatever it was. Um, yeah. There were still virtual meetings, but it, it didn't have the same feel. And Kevin Safansky is grateful that, at least at the start, it has a similar feel and referred a lot less or pretty much nothing from the union as far as recommending guys stay away. J.C. Treader, it, you know, COVID was part of that last year, but J.C. Treader also thought the offseason program had gotten out of hand right? It was too much. Um, but you just don't hear that same conversation this year without that COVID factor. That's right. Yeah. So did, was there much of a change? I, I just had a flashback to us having this conversation yeah. last year at this time. Um, was there much change at all? Well, yeah. I mean, if they don't give us like an attendance report. It felt like the numbers were good. Kevin Stefanski said, he, yes, they're good. Um, I, but I think as we get into OTAs on the field, um, come May and then start of June, you'll see a significant change, right? Because, like, I don't think Baker Mayfield attended any of those last year. I'm trying to put myself back in Berea, and it felt like the defense was there, mm-hmm. but the offense really – a lot of the offense wasn't. Like, I don't think Baker was there um, for the OTAs. And I yeah, think it was basically the whole offense. Weren't
1: whole they working out somewhere else?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, basically, the whole starting offense wasn't there. Like, the linemen were working out in Avon – Baker had some skill position guys in Texas and Florida. Um, and it was, hey, we're not going to show up. And, te- you know, that some teams got together with their players and said, okay, we're going to cancel minicamp or we're going to cancel this. But like, there was a lot of discussion about coming finding a common ground over how much you need to be there for the offseason program. And there just hasn't been that discussion this year, at least publicly.
1: Mm-hmm. So last week Stefanski also talked just as Barry did. Uh, anything stand out to you there? I, the one thing that maybe I saw that was interesting was just talking about how Watson was being embraced and the Mayfield situation was unique. Is that the headliner there, or is there, is there something I'm missing?
0: No, no, that is it. Um, you know, and he, Kevin Stefanski's been more open about the Baker situation, calling it unique. You know, at, at the owners' meetings, I think he said we're hoping for resolution. You know, Andrew Barry hasn't, you know, he's trying to – Keep as much leverage as he can or create as much leverage as he can. I think Stefanski's kind of at least revealed some of the emotions behind it. Like, yeah, this is a tough situation, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, this is a unique situation. Um, and then, yeah, the Deshaun Watson stuff, uh, you know, he said embrace. Um, I thought it was interesting. We talked to Denzel Ward, you know, and we should mention at least if he signed that record contract, it's a good move. It's another sign of Andrew Barry keeping one of the cornerstones. Um, you know, the number four pick in the draft, the year Baker was number one. Um, But Denzel said that he's had constant communication with Watson since the trade. And he says he trusts the organization. He trusts Andrew Barry that they did their due diligence on Deshaun Watson as a person, right. And that they came up that they said, yes, he's the right guy for us. He's worth, bringing on we looked into all these serious allegations um so i thought it was interesting that ward said he trusts the organization and that he said he's been in constant communication with deshaun watson which to me kind of signaled that maybe there was some trepidation right you hear all this stuff about deshaun watson and for ward to it seems like seek him out was at least i took it as okay, he wants to get to know this guy. He wants to find out if he can trust him. If, you know, if he's, if his quarterback's a bad guy, right? If he's guilty of this stuff that he's being accused of, at least he wants the communication there. Um, And I I don't know if every player cares, you know, I'm sure there's some guys that just don't care. He's my quarterback, you know, I'm going to play for him. But I do think there's, you know, I mean, the roster's 90 guys right now, right, or 80-something before the draft. I think there's a segment of those of guys on the team that really want to feel like their quarterback is not a monster, right? That he didn't do all these things. And it'll be interesting as we get back in the locker room, we just talk to more and more guys, how they're all kind of coming to grips with the Deshaun Watson trade. And I think it'll be easier for some and maybe more difficult for others. And they will need to actually sit down with Deshaun Watson. And I asked, I asked Kevin this and he wouldn't answer but did, I'm curious if Deshaun Watson stood in front of the team, or maybe he's waiting until training camp and everybody's there for mandatory mandatory minicamp. But does he stand in front of everyone and explain himself and say, hey, I didn't do this, right? Um, because I, I think there's guys that would be in that room that would want to hear him say that.
1: They now have the highest paid quarter and quarterback in the league, right? Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> I mean – and we always talk about the most important positions in football, and you, you throw those two and left tackle, right? Those are like the top three. Well, defensive end, defense, defensive end. I mean, and, they,
0: and Miles was the highest paid guy there for a while. Yeah,
1: right? yeah there you go. Yeah. So then, I mean, gosh, here's what's funny: if we could only have Bill Dawson and Joe Thomas back. <laughs> oh my gosh, right? I right. mean, right. to have to have one of the best ever at each of those positions, and just. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say it was wasted, but you know what I mean. All I those l- losing years—it was just like, uh.
0: Um, I do. Hey, real quick, Chad, I, they, I think they have the top play guard too in Joe Batonio. At least he was when he signed that extension last year. And yeah, what's, what's interesting there is I don't know if anybody in the league would call that a premium position, but with the Browns in the running attack, they view that as premium enough to pay Batonio and Teller huge money. Do do you think, do you think Ward is the best corner in the league though? I mean, do you think that that's deserving? I mean, I, I'm,
1: especially with the injuries.
0: He's not the top. I don't think he's the best corner in the league. You know, Jalen Ramsey probably is, Um, you know, Xavier Howard paid or got paid a ton of money. Um, I think he's a top five corner in the league. And when your time comes and you're a top five guy, you're going to get paid like number one. That's just how it works. So I have no problem with the deal. you know, yeah, I know people want people talk bring up the injuries, and he's missed, you know, I think he missed four games and three games, and then two last year, one of them was for COVID. Um, I, I think the fact that he was on the field for 15 of 17 last year was reassuring to the Browns. But if you get Denzel Ward for 14 of 17 games and he plays at an elite level, that's worth the money. Guys get hurt at that position because there's so much running involved and you're smaller than a lot of guys are taking on. Right. Cause you have to be that fast. So um, obviously you hold your breath with any injuries for anybody mm-hmm. signing big money, but that's, to me, that's not a deal breaker with Ben. Sure. Sure.
1: All right. I got a few more things for you from last week. I, I don't want to call it rapid fire because I want yeah. you to be able to dive in a little But Let's not go as long on each one. So I don't think they're as important. And sure. But uh, I just want your thoughts on, uh, number one, Amari Cooper.
0: Yeah, he was impressive to talk to. And he has this reputation of not being a diva. And that came through, at least in his first press conference. Um, Yeah, He's going to be a huge addition. And he said he takes on the responsibility of the Browns wanted to fix their passing game. And they got Watson and Cooper. And he's good with the responsibility of, yeah, I'm in charge of improving that passing game. How about Jacoby Brissett? You feel
1: comfortable with him if, you know, he has to be the guy for a certain amount of time? Yeah, it's interesting. I
0: I I think he's a quality backup. I know that they really like him. He's a high-character guy, is the reputation. Similar style to Deshaun Watson, not the same athlete, but makes plays with his legs, makes plays on the move. Um, so the Browns are looking for that. I don't know. If, I don't think he's the best backup in the league, but I think he gives you a shot if Deshaun Watson's going to miss time. Um, and the expectation is on miss time at some point, um, whether it's injuries or suspension or whatever. Um, but I think there is a comfort level in having Brissett as your number two. How about Clowney? What, what do you think is going to happen there? He's so Chet, he's so hard to predict because he's not a guy that cares about when he signs, right? <laughs> right? We, right? We've seen him. He signed late like the last three or four years. Um, He's a guy that I think is really interested in getting that last dollar. He wants to play somewhere warm. Doesn't mean he won't play back in Cleveland, but that's a consideration for him. I don't know if he's holding out for, you know, a second year on the contract or a third year because he had a really strong season for the Browns. Um, I don't know. I It's tough because if you don't have a commitment from him and if you have a commitment, then you might as well make it official. If you don't have a commitment from him, there's a big hole at number. It, Number two end, and that's why I have them taking a guy at number forty-four. So you know, even if they take a guy at forty-four, that doesn't take Clowney off the table, but it might take a two-year deal off the table for Clowney. And I would say it probably lessens to some degree the chances that he comes back. Sure. How about the Hugh Jackson situation? You want to touch on that at all? Yeah, no, that's a great. I'm glad you brought that up. so the league is investigating Mary Jo White, former chair of the SEC um, Securities and Exchange Commission, is investigating when Hugh said that he initially said he was paid to tank, um, paid to lose. Then he backtracked and said he received a bonus structure based on certain criteria. Andrew Barry did as well. Um, the Browns are adamant that they never paid anyone to lose. Um, you know, and there's some gray area here, right? Yes, the Browns went young and started, you know, young quarterbacks and were okay losing, right? Like they were in the business of trying to rebuild and you're better rebuilding when you have the highest draft picks possible and the most draft picks possible. But there's a difference between that and telling your coach to lose on Sunday which is the allegation that Brian Flores made with the Dolphins. And the bronze are adamant that that never happened, right? That they didn't tie the bonus structure into losing. It was tied into draft picks. It was tied into having young guys. Now, if that correlated losing, which it did, they're smart enough that they know that. But I think they're also smart enough that they would never make it um, clear or obvious that they were trying to lose. In fact, they, I don't think they were trying to lose. Every week, I think philosophically they were trying to create, you know, get more draft picks and they know that that comes with losing, but on a weekly basis, I think Hugh Jackson was charged with winning games and he didn't. So um, the bronze say they welcome the investigation. They've been adamant time and again about denying um, Hugh Jackson's initial statements. So it's supposed to wrap up soon. Um, the bronze are confident that they'll be exonerated. But obviously, when the league investigates anything involving your franchise, it's it's significant. And it is newsworthy. And I'm glad you brought that up. Also, did you touch on this earlier with the
1: Watson situation as far as uh, the, the situation with Court? Um, that it, he wouldn't go until after the season?
0: No. Yeah, I don't I mean, I don't think we have. It's yeah. You know, I mean, here's in. I don't know if you saw it. The Browns' Super Bowl odds dropped like yesterday. I want to say from twenty to one to fourteen to one, and that's that. Would seem to me that it has something to do with Deshaun Watson's availability in the 2022 season, right? I mean, Vegas doesn't post why the odds moved, but it's it's certainly interesting that that the odds moved. What we don't know yet is how the timing of the civil suits, the civil lawsuits will affect any punishment from the NFL. The NFL has not said whether it will one way or the other, right? The NFL does its own investigation. But the question to me is if the league wraps up up its investigation in July, but there's still 22 civil lawsuits that are ongoing and not scheduled to go to trial until 2023 because the legal sides for so the plaintiffs and Deshaun Watson have agreed that there'll be no trials between August 1st and like March 1st. So he's not going to have to go to trial for these civil lawsuits during the season. There's been an agreement reach. Um, so we know unless there's a settlement, we know that the majority, if not all, Civil lawsuits will wait until after the 2022 season. So will the league, even if it wraps up its investigation, will the league discipline Deshaun Watson, assuming it feels like he deserves discipline, with all this unknown out there, right? And with all these lawsuits unsettled, um, that's a question. And I don't have that answer, but I think it's the biggest question um, surrounding Deshaun Watson. Because if the league says, hey, we need resolution from these civil lawsuits, we want to hear the testimony, right? If they go to trial, we want to hear what's said. Because if they suspend them for four games, and then all this stuff comes out in the trial. Can the league go back and suspend them for more games? Like, I think that's a question that the league has to answer. So I think there's a chance with the delay of the lawsuits that. Deshaun Watson could not be punished or disciplined by the league in 20,000 in 2022, it could wait until 2023. Now I'm not saying that is fact, I'm just saying that I think that's a possibility and you know, would the Browns welcome that, you know, if you're better off having the, you know, a potential punishment later versus now um, who knows, but I think that's on the table given the timeline of, the lawsuits. Now they could also get settled. And then the league says, okay, we can act. So I think it's all in play. Um, but it's certainly interesting. and certainly something the bears watching because the number one question facing this team is if Deshaun Watson will be suspended when and for how long?
1: Yeah, no question. Last thing I want to touch on the schedule comes out May 12th. And if I was looking at that, stuff on Twitter from the media guy correctly. It sounds like they're going to like, like tease the fans with things here and there. Did, did I read that right? Like they're going to let you know what the Thursday night game is. Then they're going to announce something else. And then yeah. at like six o'clock, you can announce your first home game. Like, I mean, are,
0: did I read that right? That they're yeah. really drawing this out? Yeah, you did. And it's <laughs> going to be, I mean, I, I know people are excited about the schedule. So am I, right? It gives you some clarity and we'll talk about it. Maybe we're we'll talking about it May 13th, Judd. We can, have, we can schedule a pod right now for break down <laughs> the schedule. Um, yep. But yeah, they are going to drag it out. And it just, you know, from my perspective, it just, you know, it strings out everything. Right. In fact, t- Thursday night, tomorrow night, the league is going to announce at some point during the draft, I believe who the week two game is going to be the week two Thursday night game is going to be. Um, so, yeah, so they're they, that's exactly right. You had it on the head. They're going to, there's gonna be slow leaks. There's gonna be the international games announced at some point yeah. before yeah. we get to May 12th, and they announce the complete schedule. And even then, they're gonna stagger it with, like you said, your first home game gets leaked a couple hours. Yeah,
1: because that week two game on Thursday, that will be the first time it's on Amazon or right. Prime or whatever, right? Right. So yeah.
0: So that's the big. Um, yeah, that's the big carrot there. You know, Peter King <laughs> likes to guess on what games it'll be. You know, he thinks it'll be – he had Broncos somebody. um, Or he had – I think it was an NFC – it was an AFC West game. It was like Chiefs Mm. Broncos or Chiefs Chargers um, because he thought that they wanted a big-time game for the start of – for for Prime's first game. So, you know, I mean – but, I mean, the Browns, you know, I I guess I, I would doubt the Browns would be scheduled for that because of the uncertainty surrounding Deshaun Watson. I would think that the that the TV schedulers schedulers would backload the Browns games um, because they would want to start to be playing in them. the back load, the the primetime games. You, know, you just answered.
1: Games. You just answered my next question that they have to be the most difficult team to schedule for because of that, because yeah. the difference that he makes and, you know, early later in the year and, and we've seen the NFL get burned by the Browns before when they gave him a lot of primetime games right. and they didn't come through and, uh, you know, but yet you know they get a lot of eyeballs, and for as bad as they've been, that they, they, you know that they bring they they give you ratings. So it, they they have to be the most difficult teams got to to uh, do for television.
0: I would think so, right? I mean, if they if they showed up on week two, let's just say week two, um, is that a signal from the league that there won't be a Deshaun Watson suspension to start this season? It almost feels like it would be that signal because. Mm-hmm you know if you have that choice you go with the sure thing of Mahomes and Herbert right versus you know a, a potential Jacoby Brissett right so I I think that does matter I would assume that the Browns would have their primetime games you know in the not in the first month of the season I, I would think that's I would think that's yeah. a safe assumption
1: yeah it's going to be interesting because now uh... Uh, you got Al Michaels going to Thursday night football. Chirico takes over Sunday night football. Uh, Aikman and Buck went to ESPN. I mean, yeah. I, there's, there's never been a year with this. I mean, it, it's been pretty set in stone the last couple of decades, you know?
0: Oh, yeah. And you throw the Manning cast in, right? I mean, ESPN, yeah. you know, I'm not taking shots at any of the ESPN announcers, but they've really struggled, right? Yeah. To find that broadcast team um, for Monday night football, and now with, Bucking Aikman and any of the Manning cast, um, they're as relevant as any network.
1: Sure. Yeah. No doubt. All right. Uh, I'll finish on this. Uh, this morning on Go, we had it and it was on uh, the websites yesterday and it was a big talker. But uh, have you uh, gone to your bank account? Are you going to go buy
0: uh, OBJ's house? <laughs> um, no, I don't think. I looked in my bank account and decided I couldn't go buy O.J.'s house. Um, yeah, I, you know what? It was interesting. I thought I could have sworn he or his mom. Somebody told me that he was in Olmstead Falls, but the house is listed in Columbia Station. Um, right. Which, you know, I live in Olmstead Falls, so I know that they're, you know, it's a stone's throw either way. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I didn't know they had $3.3 million houses in Columbia Station. And I, you know, as I drive by him on my way to the golf course, and I'm sure I've driven in the vicinity of OBJ's house, but um, yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of house.
1: That's a, that's unbelievable, man. Oh my gosh, sure is. All right, that's it for me. Unless you got anything else, uh, well, happy drafting, and uh, we can recap it next week.
0: Yeah, no, just thanks for the time, Chud. I appreciate it. Good to reconnect, and yeah, um, listeners, thanks for listening. We'll have, you know, complete draft coverage at BrownZone.com all weekend. And if you look at BrownZone.com now, um, I've written about a couple local kids, or shot or I'm sorry, Naz Bohannon played basketball in college, played at Youngstown State and then Clemson, and now he's trying to make it as a tight end in the NFL. Dustin Crum from Midview and Penn State um, expects to be a late round draft pick um, quarterback. Lorraine County's not had a quarterback drafted since Cliff Stout in the seventies. So it's a big deal. Um, And he should probably go in the late rounds, had a good combine, good pro day. And then I wrote about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I wrote about Alabama guys. Um, Yeah. I wrote about Sky Moore, um, Travis Jones. So there's some draft coverage up there. I'll put my position ratings up there today or tomorrow too. So in all the mock draft um, as well. So you can get all the coverage at, brownzone.com. And thanks, Chud. And this has been another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. Thanks for listening.